Luis Urias seems to be a little bit more complete of a hitter. He might not be the wild card that Orlando RC was. He seems to be possibly a more complete player. Okay, I'll admit it. Fine. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Not that uh, I decide such things. I'm not in charge of much, but I, but I think I can say with certainty that the Brewers season is finally like underway officially. Right? I know they've played 15 games now. They're eight and seven. What was that four or five series? Right? We we it's been going for a while, but I think officially, legitimately, the season began yesterday. Because I don't think a Milwaukee Brewers season starts really until they lose a series to the Pirates that they have no business losing to the to the Pirates. Right? Like, is it really a Milwaukee Brewers season without an underwhelming performance against a really bad Pittsburgh team? I don't think so. Maybe you disagree. But I think the first 12 games were just kind of a warm-up over the weekend and concluding yesterday as the Brewers lost two of three to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think the season now is officially underway, right? I think that's the measuring stick for when Brewers season starts. Now, the rest of the teams, they can have their own measuring stick, but Brewers season doesn't start until they underwhelm against a bad Pirates team. It's a yearly tradition. It's it's a when, it's not an if. Luckily, this season we got it out of the way early. Yep, get it done, over with in April. And now we can actually get down to business, get down to brass tacks, and actually start our Milwaukee Brewers season. Am I wrong? It's not a Brewers season without a, a terrible performance against the Pirates. It wasn't that bad. They lost two of three, uh, but the joke works nonetheless. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you had a splendid weekend. Whatever you're doing, probably watching Brewers Pirates and maybe watching the Milwaukee Bucks a little bit. There was a really good primetime game on uh, ABC on Saturday. The Celtics played the Warriors. Steph Curry's been great, and the Celtics are surging. So there was some good sports on this weekend. I got to go home and see my parents, which was kind of nice. A little spring weather. My parents put the boat in. It's a competition every year to see how early the boat can go in. If you live on a lake or you have a cabin, you know how it is, right? It's like, Got to get the boat in the water before the neighbor does. Got to get the dock in before the, you know, the family across the lake does. You know how that works. So we had a little sunshine on Saturday and got to go out and cruise the boat. And I got to see my parents. And that was wonderful. So I enjoyed my weekend. I wish the Brewers could have won a couple more games, but whatever. Season doesn't start until they underwhelm against the Pirates. So we might as well get it done and over with and out of the way with. Hopefully uh, it's the only time they underwhelm against the Pirates. But knowing my Brewers, it, it probably won't be. Today, I do want to spend some time talking about the Brewers, but after some reflection uh, and some some time spending in, in retrospect, we've been talking about the Brewers a lot over the last two weeks, and that's great. Like, I'm happy to have the Brewers back. I love talking baseball, but we're going to have a lot of time to do that throughout the summer. So today, when putting the show together, I made a conscious effort. Let's get a little bit of draft talk in there, and let's talk a little bit more about the Bucks Instead of just complaining about the NBA, let's actually talk about the Bucks for a few minutes. And I actually want to talk about um, what happened in Europe yesterday. Not because I really care about European soccer, but it's fascinating. I think it's the biggest sports story of the day. And I think it is really, really applicable to the Brewers, to the Packers, even the Badgers, I think. So if you don't know what I'm talking about regarding European soccer, all the good teams want to make their own league, which is very dramatic and fun to watch from afar. Maybe not as fun if you're a European soccer fan, because maybe you think your, your sacred sport is 
being infringed upon. I don't feel that way. I just think it's a really fascinating story. So I even want to talk about that for a few minutes coming up at 4.30. You're welcome to join in on any or all or none of the conversation if you feel so moved. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. Give me a call as well. You can tweet at me too, at Wisco Grant. If you're on Twitter and you like to waste your life away on that miserable hellscape of an app like I do, you're already on there. You might as well follow me and we can tweet each other and, and have a good time. We could be a shining light on a on just a t- terrible application that humanity would m- be much better for if, if we just got rid of. You can find me on there, at Wisco Grant. Let's start with the Brewers. Lost two or three to the Pirates. Barely. They were in extras yesterday. That was a very winnable game. It's not like they got their their cans beat for three straight days, but they still lost a series to a a bad team. By the end of the year, I think the Pirates will be proven to be the worst team in the NL Central, although the Cubs are off to a bad start. And and we've talked a little bit about Sunday Night Baseball the last two weeks. Bad showing for the Cubs on Sunday Night Baseball. Kyle Hendricks, who might be the Cub that I respect most of all. I'm a big Kyle Hendricks fan. He's a little bit of an older age pitcher. He doesn't throw 98-97 like most starters do now. That's kind of the new standard. Kyle Hendricks is a little bit different. But he's got such good command, and he's so zen, and they call him the professor. And as much as I hate the Cubs as a rival, I really, really like Kyle Hendricks, and he got shelled yesterday. So maybe by the end of the year, if the Cubs don't get it together, they'll be arguing and, and battling with the Pirates for that worst team in the NL Central. But I think it's going to turn out to be the Pirates. And the Brewers just lost two of three to the said Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, it would be really easy for me to get mad and bang on this desk and talk about all the things the Brewers did terribly over the last three days. Like, there's no shortage of things to dig into if we really wanted. Keston Hira is scuffling. He'll have a hit here and there, and, and you'll see a flash, but he, he can't string anything together. He had one hit, three strikeouts throughout this series. My boy, Adrian Hauser, didn't have his best start the other day. Four innings pitched, like three earned runs. Not great. I think 4.1 innings pitched, three runs. N- not my boy, but our boy, Freddie Peralta, wasn't great yesterday. I think he was pretty good, but his start was kind of defined and marred by a few mistakes and just a few bad moments, which we've seen, not just from Freddie Peralta, but that was Corbin Burns' thing last year, too. You saw the stuff. He'd make all these great pitches, but he would make a mistake here and there, and that would define his start. That's the kind of outing Freddie Peralta had yesterday. We could complain about that. Brewers pitchers still can't retire Colin Moran. I hate that guy, and I hate his beard. And the Brewers' bats yesterday... We're shut down by something, or this was two days ago, actually. Yesterday was uh, not Chad. Was it Chad Cool yesterday? It all starts to run together. Brewers bats were shut down by something called a JT Brewbaker. Uh, and I thought that was a classic car, not a starting pitcher. Although, I feel like we have to let that joke die because I make that joke every time JT Brewbaker comes up. So I, I feel like I can't plead ignorance not knowing who that is. I definitely know who JT Brewbaker is. And to pretend that that's like a, the name of a classic car, I, I don't think we can get away with that anymore. My point being... The Brewers could have done a couple of things better over the last three days. And I could get really angry about it. I could bang the desk and I could put my face into the microphone and we could just rant and be really, really upset. But I think that would be disingenuous. It would be good radio fodder. It might be entertaining, but I think it would be disingenuous. And I try to be genuine and honest all the time on the Wisco Sports Show, this program for two hours every night. The reality is baseball doesn't always play out like it should easy for me as a Brewer fan to say this after the last couple of days, but bear with me. Baseball doesn't play out like it always should, at least not in little three-game sample sizes. By September, I believe that the best teams will have won 15 to 20 more games than the bad teams. It just takes some time to get there, right? By the end of the year, I think Pittsburgh is going to be at the bottom of the division, although the Cubs are are saying like, hey, don't don't forget about us. By the end of the season, the Pirates will be in the basement, like all the projections say. 
At least I believe so. Now, that might take a couple of months to play out. It's like a simulation, right? Anytime you run more simulations, you're going to get more accurate results, where if you only do it once or twice, it'd be a little bit misleading. And three games, Brewers versus the Pirates, it'd be a little bit misleading with the Pirates taking two of those three games. The difference in yesterday's game, for example, was arguably a two-out walk and a home run that Freddie Peralta gave up, probably shouldn't have given up. That game could have gone either way. The Brewers had a runner on second in the bottom of the 10th inning with their 2-3-4 hitter coming up. They, they couldn't score a run. They easily could have scored a run. They could have walked it off. Game would have been over. Or they could have tied it and extended the game. Like yesterday's game was a flip a coin game. So to say and, and make a big deal about the Brewers losing the series to Pittsburgh, although it's funny and we feel like this happens a lot, I, I, don't, I, I don't really know if this is something we should lose our minds about. I remember our friend Radio Joe, friend of the show, a few summers ago. I remember this very well. I remember a few things very well. Sports radio is one of them. I never forget a take. I remember Radio Joe a couple summers ago when he was producing for Bill Michaels kept getting angry and he kept getting stirred up. He's like, I swear if the Brewers can't sweep the miserable bad Pirates this weekend, I'm going to lose my mind. It's like, hey, the Brewers should beat the Pirates. They're better than the Pirates, but baseball doesn't always work that way. Like, it's who's better on that given day. If a starting pitcher has a miserable outing, okay, well, it doesn't really matter about the offense and the bullpen and the manager and the home field advantage. It only takes one thing to go sideways, and the game falls apart. The series could fall apart. Now, the Brewers-Pirates series this weekend didn't fall apart. Cubs just had a couple more timely hits, or the Pirates did. The Cubs didn't have any hits this weekend. Pirates had a couple more timely hits than the Brewers, and it's as simple as that. You flip uh, one or two hits yesterday, and the Brewers end up winning two of three, and we're having a different conversation today. Actually, I don't know if the conversation would be that different, because do I sound angry? I haven't lost any sleep over this weekend series. I'm really not worried about it. Now I'm going to start losing sleep tonight, because the Brewers game doesn't start until 9-10. Sheesh! But I haven't lost any sleep over the Pittsburgh series. Come on. Baseball doesn't always play out like it's supposed to. That's why it's not as fun to bet. Like, football is very fun to bet. Because even the casual feels like they can get a couple of right here and there. It's like, oh, the Chiefs are playing the Jets? Okay. Well, take the Chiefs on the money line. The return won't be great, but that's a given. Like, the Chiefs are going to beat the Jets. I know that for certainty. I know that this quarterback's better than this quarterback, this coach, this coach. In baseball, it's it's a little bit more up in the air, which is why baseball's harder to bet. And I think casuals typically probably don't bet on baseball unless they're just doing it for fun. Right? It's, it's less of a known A lot more variables in baseball, especially in a small sample size, a three-game series. Something kind of amazing to consider, too, over this weekend series. Brewers are without three of their best bats. Without Yelich, without Wong, and without Kane. And we have just kind of gotten used to life without those three bats. It's a huge piece of that Brewers team. Their MVP, the the guy that they brought in this offseason to kind of stabilize things, be an on-base presence, he's not in the lineup. And then Lorenzo Cain, who's a leader and who'd been playing really, really well. And I get it, like Dan Vogelback, who we'll hear from later on in the show. He's a really great story. He's a fun, folk hero type player. Bar league softball looking guy. I get we all love him, but he can't be a meat of the order hitter on a playoff team. And I like Billy McKinney. He's a great story and I think a good testament to the Brewers and how they they spotted a hot bat and they kept him on the team and they've used him and they've taken advantage of that hot bat. But once again, Billy McKinney can't be one of the better hitters on this Brewers team if they want to win the division or contend for a postseason spot. Might work in the here and now. It might get you through a couple of games against the Cubs who can't hit to save their lives. And it might get you a win or two against the Pirates who aren't very good. But Padres tonight, or when they start playing the Cardinals, 
or the Reds, the way they can put up runs and have put up runs so far, you're going to need Kane and Yelich and Wong back, especially Yelich and Wong. Yelich is your MVP, and like I said, Colton Wong plays a very specific role. David Stearns brought him in with a very specific role in mind. He's going to get on base. He's going to anchor the top of the lineup. He's going to play spectacular defense at second base too. But but as a hitter, he fits a specific role, and he was hired to do that specific role. And when you don't have that person, it's it's really, really difficult to replace them, right? Think of your job. I don't know what you do. Let's say you work in a uh, an automobile shop, a garage, which I don't know cars at all, so I don't know why I always try to make car analogies. But let's say you work at a garage, and you are, uh, you're a... Say you're a, you're a carburetor guy. You fix carburetors and other miscellaneous things, but you don't know the first thing in the world about replacing a windshield. You can't do it. You can't do windshields. So you hire someone to just do windshield and windows. That you hire them with that in mind. You're like you're gonna be our window guy. Awesome. And you lose that guy. It's not like you can just pick up that slack. Like you fix carburetors. You work on the engine. You replace bearings and struts. You don't do windows. That's why you hired that guy. A lot of these brewers don't get on base. That's why they brought in Colton Wong. And when you lose a guy who was brought in to play a specific role, it's it's not like the next guy just steps up. There is no next guy. Colton Wong was that guy. And he's not there right now. And Yelich, of course, is the MVP. Now, don't get me wrong. I want Lorenzo Kane back, too. But Jackie Bradley Jr., ladies and gentlemen, I have very quickly become a Jackie Bradley Jr. guy. I mean, how could you not? He's been lightning in a bottle to watch over the last couple of games. By the way, today's Jackie Bradley Jr.'s birthday. Happy birthday, Jackie. And he's been on a heater offensively. He's coming into tonight on an eight-game hitting streak. He's batting 333, which is 11 for 33. Great math. That streak. So he started the season one for 19, and ever since then, he's on an eight-game hitting streak and hitting over 330. He's on a heater, and he's been fun to watch. But he's blown me away defensively. You talk about a general manager bringing in a player to play a specific role. Jackie Bradley Jr. is that guy. And I can't help but smile when Lorenzo Cain gets hurt or they pull him early or the game's out of hand so they, they sit him down. Let's stick Jackie Bradley Jr. in there. Oh, my God, he's just as good. And that was the plan all along. And there's nothing like when a plan comes together. Right? That, that's, that's fun about sports. When your general manager hires somebody to play a very specific role and then you watch that player succeed in that very specific role. That's good stuff. That's what we like to see. Good David Stearns. Good job. And kudos to Jackie Bradley Jr. because he's been awesome. While we're focusing on the positives, as you heard in the show open, I'm kind of a Luis Urias guy now. It's hard not to be. He had a couple of big hits this weekend. I don't really have any statistics or fun factoids about Luis Urias. Let me just put it this way. You can see it when you watch him, can't you? When you watch him at the plate, when he gets into one, jumps off the screen a little bit. Or when he's playing defense, whoa, he's got a good throwing arm. He's got all the tools. You can just see it. It's tangible. It jumps off the screen and your eyes go, whoa, this guy they got something here. You say what you want about Orlando Arcia. I don't know that he really ever jumped off the screen like that. It's clear what they saw in Luis Urias and what I was in denial about for the longest time. So I, I would like to announce right here now that I'm changing my tune. I am now a Luis Urias guy, just so we're clear. So we're moving along. Uh, one last thing before we move off the Brewers, I want to talk about the NBA coming up next. This is an extension of a conversation we had last week. You know that I love this. When we do a take and we do a conversation and then, and then it comes back up later and we can build off of it, that means we're having good, worthwhile, smart conversations, right? Freddie Peralta, he's got the goods. His fastball is nasty. 
and his slider, as Rock said yesterday on the Bally Sports Wisconsin broadcast, great lateral movement. You really pull hitters away from the plate. It's really, really tough to hit. But with Freddie Peralta, it's not about his stuff right now, and this is what we talked about last week. It's about efficiency, right? He needs to streamline the way he pitches. Because for every five or six amazing pitches he makes, well, then he's going to walk a guy, and then he's going to make a mistake. And what would otherwise be a great outing, really efficient, working one, two, three, one, two, three, through the lineup and, and, and getting through the fifth or sixth inning without, without issue, well, if he starts walking here and there, well, now it's not as efficient, and his start all of a sudden doesn't look as good as it did. For example, yesterday, in the first inning, he gets, uh, he gets the first two outs, only took four pitches. Four pitches to get the first two guys. Then he walked a guy, or technically hit him with a pitch, and then walked him after a six-pitch at bat. Then he takes Colin Moran's six full pitches and gets him looking. Whew. That's an inning that could have been a three-up, three-down, seven-pitch inning, but it got dragged out. The third inning, he gets two quick outs. Chad Cool on four pitches, and then Frazier with four more. So two outs, eight pitches. He's almost out of it, but then a walk on four straight pitches. You can't have that. And then a double, and then the home run. Very much like Corbin Burns before he got it going last season. Great stuff. He would have great innings, but they would be marred by little mistakes here and there that would really drag his start down and prevent him from going deep into ball games. We'll hear from Craig Council. Why don't we let him take us into the break, talking about Freddie and the issues that he's been having that are holding him down. When we come back, we'll get into the Bucks. I have a new take about the Bucks. It's not just complaining about the NBA. It's something new. So I'll share that with you coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. First, Craig Council on Freddie Peralta. But Freddie pitched well. I mean, he, he pitched well. Um... You know, the, the eventually walks are going to hurt you. You know, if you if you continue to walk, it's gonna, those are going to hurt you eventually. And, and today, the walk hurt Fred. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a great weekend. Glad to be back. I think I was a little bit misleading to start the show, and for that I apologize. Specifically to one listener and one texter, Herman, who says, Hey Grant, I thought you said you're gonna talk more about the draft, bucks, and whatnot, and not just the Brewers. Either way, I hope you have a wonderful week. Well, Herman, I feel the same way about you. Let's get after it this week. I was very misleading. What I should have said was, we're gonna start with the Brewers and then talk about everything else. That was my bad. Because I did say we were going to get away from the Brewers, talk about other things, and then I proceeded to talk about the Brewers for, what, 18 minutes? My bad. I should have said, we're going to start with the Brewers, but then we will move on to bigger and better things, which is what we will do right now. Herman, thank you for the transition. Well done. 608-796-2558. Okay, one last comment on the Brewers, because I really like this tweet from Josh. Josh says, as long as the Brewers are a few games above 500 at the All-Star break, that's when the season really starts. Amen to that. I think you're exactly right. The old adage that you can't lose the or you can't win the division in April, but you sure can lose it. Same energy, right? If you could just be above 500 and in a good spot and healthy at the All-Star break, then you really dig in and then the season really starts. And I think Craig Council, our Lord and Savior, would agree with that. Somebody who's had a lot of success in August and September just need to be in the conversation, in the mix. At Brian Gudikins, that's his mantra. Just be, just be in the mix. Never coming out on top, but you're you're there. You're in, you're in the mix. Appreciate the tweet, Josh, and I think you're exactly right. At Wisco Grant, the number once again, not to bang you over the head. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Okay, there you go. If you want to get in touch with the show now? You can. I'm moving on. Last week, 
I complain quite a bit about the NBA. Um, and I love the NBA, and I even annoyed myself at times, so for that I apologize. It's just not a great product right now, mostly due to all these woke players and social justice warriors that want to, you know, tell us how to live our life. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, that, but also the compressed schedule. It's a twofold impact that's getting us to all turn off the NBA. No, I think it's the injured players and the compressed schedule that's really got us worn out, and I think we're struggling to watch right now because we're waiting for the postseason to start. I had a tweet here somewhere. Here it is. Tom Haberstroh over the weekend who I think I think he's been on the Bill Michaels show before. He's a national writer. He's worked at a bunch of different places. You can find him on Twitter at Tom Haberstroh, S-T-R-O-H. Tweeted this out yesterday or this morning, actually. And I thought it was smart. It was just a, a good visual representation of where the league is right now. Left or missed games this weekend. Colon. <clears throat> and here we go. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, LaMelo Ball, Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, John Wall, Gordon Hayward, Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, Kyle Lowry, and Pask. Pask. I'm assuming he, he was going to type Pascal Siakam and he ran out of spaces. I'm assuming. I would guess. Either way, with or without Pascal Siakam, that's a lot of players. And it goes to show... This is what we're dealing with. Also, he left off Dante DiVincenzo. What the hell, Tom? Coastal media bias, I guess. He cares about the Bucks. I'm not going to beat a dead horse this week on this subject, but I noticed it again this weekend and thought I would reiterate to build on a point that I made last week. Everybody's hurt. Now, it's not just because the players are pooped, but I think coaches are worn out. I think fans are worn out, too. There I said it. I got tired over the weekend. Like, I, this weekend, on Saturday, I was like, oh, they play the Grizzlies tonight? Oh, God, okay. Watch this. Even though I wanted to watch Warriors Celtics after watching the Brewers, but okay, I'll watch Bucks Grizzlies. And then yesterday, I'm planning my week, and I'm like, wait, the Bucks play tomorrow night again? Who do they play? They play Phoenix? Oh, okay, fine. Like, I, it's just one game after another. Last 10 days, they've gone Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and now they play again tonight. I think in the future, although this season is weird, I think in the future maybe we should talk about like a second all-star break. A little bit closer to the playoffs. So you have an all-star break. This may be a little bit earlier. Give players some rest. And then you get to the trade deadline. And then maybe you do another break. Just four days. Four or five days, no games. Just to give players a chance to rest. And then they don't have to sit out games. Just something to think about moving forward. Now, as far as the actual Bucks go, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10. Just got Giannis back. They're getting Dante back tonight, we think. Although Tom Haberstraw failed to mention Dante DiVincenzo in that list of players that missed time. Very disrespectful to Dante. Right, there's some good and there's some bad with the Bucks right now. And I I feel one of the good things they're doing is they're trying different things on defense. Our friend Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room, tweeted on Saturday. Although it's a confusing tweet, I agree with the spirit of the tweet, even though it might seem contradictory. He says, I like that the Bucks tried zone and stuck with it, despite it not working. Which like sound sounds like a total total loser mentality. Like when Ben Simmons first started shooting jump shots, you gotta go watch uh, clips of the Sixers announcers. Where they're like, and Simmons from three, and, and that misses, but that that's okay. <laughs> I like that they tried zone, and they stuck with it, even though they ended up losing the game because the defense wasn't working. I do appreciate that they're trying things, and they're using the regular season to work on stuff. I appreciate that in some of these games that are getting out of hand, they're getting a chance to get the young guys in there, Jordan Wara, Sam Merrill, Diakite, because at some point, the Bucks are going to have to develop young players in-house. They're going to run out of money to bring in guys. They're not going to be able to go out and add good role players. They're going to have to develop their own. So getting young guys run in blowouts, that's a way to do that. They've been doing that. 
I don't know if it impacts this playoff run, as we talked about with Brian last week, but it's good for the future. That Atlanta win the other night was impressive, especially Drew Holiday. The way that he put the screws to Trey Young kept him to 3 of 17 shooting. He got 9 of his 15 points from the free throw line. That's a great performance in a great game. Bud talked about that after the game. I think we heard that on Friday. One Bucks thing has been sticking out to me. I tweeted about it yesterday, Saturday, some slightly crass language. I'll twist around my words so they're more appropriate for a broadcast over the air. Every game, the Bucks let somebody have a career night from three. And it's not somebody who's a good three-point shooter. Every night, it seems like some rando off the bench is having a career night from beyond the three-point line. That dog's not going to hunt in the postseason. We saw it last year. You can't let Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero go off. And this year, you're going to have to deal with Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Korkmaz of the Sixers. Like, there are three-point specialists in the East that will cut you up if you're not at least somewhat respecting of their three-point prowess, which the Bucks at times have just completely ignored the top of the key. Right? I, I wrote down some of these players and these performances from the last couple of weeks. Against Memphis the other night, Grayson Allen went 7 of 10 from 3. Against Atlanta, Solomon Hill went 6 of 8. Solomon Hill's a 31% 3-point shooter. That's worse than Giannis. Minnesota, nobody went off on them. I'll admit that. They did a good job that game, although Minnesota's terrible. Orlando, Mo Bamba shot 5 of 6. Once again, he's a 34% 3-point shooter on his career. Not that great. Charlotte, nobody really went off, but that game was a wash anyways. It didn't play any starters. If you go a couple of weeks ago when they played the Kings... Sacramento, Terrence Davis went 7 of 10 from 3. Nobody's talking about Solomon Hill or Mo Bamba. I thought, I didn't even know Mo Bamba was in the league, honestly. He was so far off my radar, which is an indictment on me and how I'm keeping up with the draft class from a couple of years ago. But still, the Bucs have been allowing like one rando on any given night to go and shoot 7 of 10 from 3. That's going to be a problem. Because Joe Harris is already going to make his shots. And if they play Atlanta, Bogdan's going to make his shots. And with the Heat, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero are going to hit their shots. Like, there are three-point shooters in the East that the Bucs are going to have to contend with. Now, the Bucs have to prioritize things on defense, and I think that's worth mentioning. Right? When they're focused on, for example, uh, playing against Memphis, you have to contend with Dylan Brooks. You have to worry about John Morant. You have to worry about other players. Which I'm sorry, I'm running out of players to mention. I almost said Jaron Jackson Jr., but for whatever reason, I think he's hurt right now, and I didn't want to be wrong, although I have all the knowledge in the world at my fingertips. We might as well check Jaron Jackson Jr. My point being, there's lots of players to worry about. Maybe if you're going to forget about somebody, okay, let Grace Nallen shoot 10 threes. Okay, sure. Or Solomon Hill or Mo Bamba. You have to pick your poison. By the way, is Jaron Jackson back? Memphis Grizzlies could play in time. For the first time in 20... Okay, so he's almost back. My bad. That's why I held my tongue when it came to Jaron Jackson. I do really like Dylan Brooks. That man can ball. He's a really good defender. And obviously, John Morant is is John Morant. My point being, maybe it's better to focus on those guys than Grayson Allen. So I get it, but still, you don't want Grayson Allen getting 21 points from beyond the three-point line. It's Grayson Allen. Don't let that guy make seven threes. Come on. It's just a concern. It's a red flag, something to keep an eye on as we get closer to the playoffs because it's something to come into play or not. Maybe not at all. Maybe Solomon Hill doesn't hit that many threes in the postseason. That's probably the hope of, of the Bucs and Coach Bud. We'll see if it plays out that way. A lot of teams had career days against the Bucs in the bubble from three last year. A lot of teams just went off. That was a trend. We don't want a trend like that this year. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the biggest sports story of the last 24 hours. That's in European soccer. 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. I'll give you only the, the bare bones background to understand the bigger conversation. And then I want to apply this story to the Bucks, to the Brewers, to the Packers, to the Badgers, because it's really, really interesting. We'll talk about that coming up next. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, we're carrying on calmly today. Sure, the Brewers lost two or three from the Pirates, but I could have told you that was coming. Would have bet my mortgage on the Brewers having a disappointing series against the Pirates at some point this year. I don't have a mortgage. I know. It's a figure of speech. My name is Grant Bills, mortgageless Grant Bills. You can find me on Twitter at no underscore mortgage. No, you can, you can find me at Wisco Grant. Interestingly enough, I was cruising the timeline over the break. MLB Communications put this out. With close games, exciting star performances, and two no-hitters to begin the season, MLB.tv registered the most-watched 18-day period in its 20-season history, including the seven most-watched days ever. You know what's amazing? Imagine how high the ratings would be if some of those great games were put on Sunday Night Baseball instead of the Braves-Cubs for some reason. And imagine if they lifted blackout restrictions so some of us could actually watch our team! Imagine how many fans there would be if we if it was capable of, of, of watching locally, if I could watch the Brewers, for God's sake, in any way. Now, some of us have to get creative with the way that we watch. Those numbers aren't even factored into the 1.34 billion minutes of streams so far. Major League Baseball is reporting. Just think about that. All the pores, like me, who listen on the radio at night, like it's 1940, or, you know, find a stream of questionable legality to quote Ian Howe from National Treasure. couple of texts to get to, 608-796-2558. Binks says, I'm concerned about Yelich. Back, neck, and spine issues are too predictable. Ah, take a deep breath. Relax. Everybody gets tweaked now and then. I think I slept weird on my arm last night, and I thought I had a blood clot. And I didn't even have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So I, it, we all go through things, even professional athletes. Let's call them. I've gotten a couple tweets about the same thing. Let's take a deep breath. Just a deep breath about Yelich. Uh, Jeff says 88 wins take the division. Brewers are in a good spot. Exactly. Exactly. You stick at or around 500 or above 500 till the all-star break and it's anyone's game. You just keep yourself in position. That's what Josh tweeted in earlier. Uh, we don't do the best tweet of the day, but Josh right now is in the lead with this tweet that says, as long as the Brewers are a few games above 500 at the all-star break, that's when the season truly starts. I made the joke to start the show that... The Brewers' season doesn't technically start until they underwhelm in a series against Pittsburgh. Beautiful. So the season in that regard is underway. Josh says we got to wait a couple of months. I'm, I'm down to use whatever metric that we, we choose. We'll get back into the Brewers for just a few minutes at 5 o'clock. They're kind of our top of the hour big story of the day. But other than that, I want to do draft. That's coming up in an hour. And right now, I want to talk about the biggest story of the last 24 hours. Now, I don't know if you've seen. But there's a lot of drama in uh, the world of European soccer. And I don't, don't change the channel. Stop. Stop. I don't bring this up to talk about European soccer because you know what? I don't care. I wish I could. I've tried. I've tried to get into soccer. I've tried to force myself to get into soccer, and it just doesn't land with me. I, I want to be cool enough to watch European soccer, and I'm not, okay? So I'm not about to tell you about how you should be an Arsenal fan because their song is... No, I don't know, and I, I don't care. I wish I could, but I don't. I don't bring this up to talk about European soccer. I want to apply it to our teams. 
But this is one of the biggest stories in the world right now. And I thought I'd give you a little background before we get into it. This story is about a new proposed super league in European soccer. The way it works now, and I will explain this as dumbed down as possible for myself, more so than for you. All European countries have their own league. Like England has the Premier League. Germany has the Bundesliga. Italy has their own thing. It's like Serie A or or something. They all have their own league, okay? And all of these leagues use a promotion relegation model. So there's hundreds, thousands of clubs, right? And over time, some clubs get good and they climb the ranks, they climb the ranks, they climb the ranks, and they get into the Premier League or they get into the Bundesliga. But the worst teams in said league every year are at risk of dropping out, right? And giving way to a new team that's climbing up. Whereas in American sports, the Browns can be terrible for 30 years. No one's kicking them out of the NFL to replace them with somebody else. But in European soccer, that's always been the case. That's been the model. And it's separated between the Premier League and the Bundesliga and the league in Italy. It's all over the place. But the thing that was announced yesterday that has people all freaking out is there is a super league that has been proposed where all of the best teams in each one of these individual leagues says, you know what? We're the best. Why are we wasting our time with these other pores? Let's start our own thing and we'll keep all the money because we're the teams that make all the money anyways. First of all, Super League, that's a really, should have put more time and effort into the name of the league. This is from Bleacher Report Football. It's the most Americanized version of this news, and I'll just read you these three bullet points. Twelve clubs have agreed to form their own competition with other clubs to follow. The tournament would run as soon as practicable, practicable, applicable, and, and practicable in one word, it seems. They would not compete in the Champions League and wouldn't have to share revenue with other clubs in their domestic leagues, which is the sticking point. Right now we have Liverpool... Man U, Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, Tottenham Hotspur, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico, Juventus, Inter, and AC Milan. I don't know what Inter is. I know all the other ones. I don't, I don't know that one. I know that Tottenham and Arsenal are big rivals, I think, because when I tried to get into soccer, I, was, I, I don't even remember which team I tried to watch. It didn't last long. That's not the point. The point being, this is a huge deal, and soccer fans are ticked. Because it seems like the owners of these teams and the people who run these franchises are prioritizing the money that they can make if they do their own thing versus the history and the tradition and the fans that have built these clubs from the ground up. Because like I said, these these clubs could start from nothing. Like if we use promotion relegation in America, the Milwaukee Milkmen could build their way up, build their way up, and eventually get into Major League Baseball. That takes time. That takes investment. And the fans that put in the time and the investment, they're pissed because they feel like they're getting forgotten about for money. I found this soundbite, this interview on Twitter with Jamie Carragher, who played for Liverpool. You can tell in his voice. I play this just to kind of convey how big of a deal this is for people who live and breathe soccer. What they're doing actually right now is dragging institutions that we've seen in this country over 100 years basically through the mud, being in the history of what those clubs are basically about. Because from my own club's point of view, the only reason Liverpool are in this or have a chance of being in this Super League is the fact they've won six European Cups or 20 league titles. And the owners of Liverpool, and because it hurts me more because it's Liverpool, and that's why I'm touching on them, this ownership bought Liverpool Football Club on the back of other American owners running the club badly, and the fans got them out. And these got the club for a steal. And it's now worth six or seven times more. They've made the money. They've won the lottery with Liverpool. And my message to everyone is I think these, these... Clubs think this is a done deal, it's done. I don't think it is. 
I think supporters up and down this country can stop this. I really do believe it. And I think at the forefront of that will be Liverpool, because I've seen it before. We have tribalism in this country. We have rivalry. And that's what makes it the game it is. And that's what we love. Football fans get together, all of us in TV, pundits, players, managers, get together and stop this because it can be stopped. I'm convinced of it. And going forward, I think that's what we need. Marches on stadiums, supporters getting together. This cannot be allowed to happen. This is a huge deal. And you could hear it in his voice, which is why I want to share that. I can talk about this and I can try to convey that this is a big deal, but it's better to hear from someone who's entrenched and involved. Become ungovernable, right? It's kind of what it sounds like. Like We need to rise up, prevent this from happening. Now, to apply this to American sports, I've heard other people make this comparison, and I don't like to steal, but it just makes so much sense. What if this type of thing were to happen in college football? Let's be honest, okay? We're Wisconsin fans or Gopher fans. Or... Let's be real, though. Clemson, Bama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, those schools consistently have been on their own level for the last couple of years. Now, LSU had a year where they popped up, and Georgia had a year where they popped up. But if we're talking consistent for the last four or five years, it's those schools. Clemson, Bama, Oklahoma, Ohio State. What if those schools said, you know what? Screw this. Ohio State, I'm tired of playing Rutgers. I'm tired of wasting my time propping up their athletic department by selling tickets for the one time a year we play them. We're done. We're out. We're making our own thing. And maybe, just maybe, they invite LSU and Georgia and Texas, maybe another team from the Big Ten, maybe Wisconsin, but probably like Michigan or Penn State, right? Think of what the Big Ten would be like without Ohio State, or if they were to take Michigan with them. Now Wisconsin is the class of the Big Ten? I love Wisconsin, but I don't know if that's a world I want to live in. I don't know how I'd handle that. What's the SEC like without Bama? Okay, sure, Florida's kind of fun, and LSU has their, their day here and there. Georgia was you know, been good here and there, but like, there's no juggernaut. There's no premier team. Sure. Bama might be head and shoulders better than everyone else. And maybe they do the rest of the conference a favor by simply existing. But if Alabama were to leave the sec, the sport would lose a ton of intrigue. That would suck. What about the NFL? What if there would be a super league in the NFL? Now I, I don't know if it's doable. Like, like who would be in a super league? Well, you would have said Patriots, but look, I mean, one year in there, you know, they've fallen out of the playoffs. Things can change in the NFL. You might think, well, I'd never put Tampa Bay in the, in a super league, but they'd need to be in there this year. The Packers, maybe, although they're one personnel decision away from going to Jordan Love. So who knows what happens then, right? Like, I don't know that you could do a super league in the NFL, but if this logic were to be applied to pro football in America, I don't think Green Bay would get to have a team. Right? Not not even a team as good as the Packers. There's just not enough money to be made. Let's be real. This is all about money. Right? Liverpool, for example, has been great. And they've won titles. As Jamie Carragher mentioned, now a lot of those titles came on the backs of previous owners and, and players and, from a long time ago. Right? Liverpool's got it great. Or uh, some of these other teams that are involved. Right? Manchester United. Teams like Chelsea. Not Tottenham. Not the Hotspur. But, but Arsenal. Barcelona. Right? Juventus. These are teams that have got it all. They're the top of the world. And it's still not good enough for them because they feel as though they're wasting their time and energy and money messing around with all of these other clubs that simply aren't on their level. Green Bay's won Super Bowls. They've done a really good job contending with the rest of the National Football League all while being housed in a town of 100,000 people. And that's great. But if we were to apply this logic to the National Football League, Green Bay would be out of there. 
right? If it's really about maximizing profits and we're forgetting about the history and the tradition and the fans, well, then we're maximizing profits. And there's no need for a football team in Green Bay. That just doesn't make good business sense. But we know sports are this this battle between good business, but also the traditions and the things that just aren't logical. Sports are full of things that are illogical, irrational. Fans aren't logical. I read this line in a piece by The Ringer, Brian Phillips. First of all, it's funny, it's awesome, it's witty. This is what he talks about soccer, and then we'll move on to something else. Soccer in Europe is in a phase of transition. A new balance is being negotiated between an older model of the game and a newer model. The negotiation feels like a series of upheavals as interested parties on all sides test the limits of what they can get away with. Right, The NFL can get away with relocating a team from St. Louis to L.A. or San Diego to L.A. Or they can, get, you know, they can get away with forcing Jacksonville to play overseas every year. Because profit sometimes can prioritize over fandom. Sometimes. But I think European soccer is saying, well, you know, in this instance, forget the tradition, forget the fans. There's a lot of money to be made here, and we're going to go for it. And I hope nothing like that ever happens in American sports. This isn't even finalized. It might end up not going through. I kind of hope it doesn't go through because I would love to watch a, a battle between the ownership and the management and fans. I mean, that's always great, especially when it's not in when it's not in my favorite sport or in my favorite league. Let's take a break. I want to talk about my favorite league coming up next, the NBA. Something just set me off this morning. This frustrated me so much. Woj. Woj's stock just plummets on this show. Every other month, he's doing something that I don't like. He was on Get Up this morning, and this made me ticked. And yes, it's slightly related to the Bucks, so we're sticking with the Wisconsin topic. More, more of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Let's get upset. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show, last couple of minutes to chat before 5 o'clock. I did a terrible job outlining the show when we started, so let me go again. We're, for the most part, not talking about the Brewers today. Just a little bit. I wanted to work in some draft stuff, some NBA. The Super League thing with European soccer is fascinating to me. Apply that to some of our teams and our leagues. But we will be talking about the Brewers for give or take another 20 minutes around the corner for 5 o'clock. But just know that they're not the the foundation of the show today, but we got to talk about them. We have a whole series to react to from the last couple of days. Really quickly, by the way, my name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you'd like to be a part of the show. Really quickly, I want to, I want to talk about something re- related to the NBA. And we only have a couple of minutes here, so I have to be efficient. Um, last segment, I already mentioned that the NBA, right, and we're talking about the Super League and how that would look over here. I don't think the NBA has, like, a possibility to be a Super League because superstars are always moving. Right, if the best teams wanted to do their own thing, I don't think it would be possible. But I think a Super League concept already exists, right? Players only go to a few teams. Media only pays attention to a few teams. And I think New Orleans is an amazing example. And I want to spend a moment right before this break talking about the Pelicans and talking about Zion Williamson. Zion was fantastic. Had a game against the Knicks this weekend, 34-9-5. He was terrific. Madison Square Garden, cool venue, cool game. The Knicks are good. It's exciting. Lonzo might actually be a good guard now. He fits well with Zion. He's shooting well from three. That team is cooking. Good for the Knicks. Good for the Pelicans. But I woke up this morning, and I don't watch ESPN because I don't really like any shows on ESPN, but I saw it on social media. Get Up with Mike Greenberg had Woj on to talk about Zion's post-game press conference in which he mentioned that he enjoys playing it 
Madison Square Garden. Here was the exchange. Just get a, get a load of this. I'm saying this is his favorite place to play. I think it's something to watch down the road, Greeny. I, I think if you followed Zion Williamson closely, uh, he doesn't just talk to talk. And he's pretty particular in what he says and when he says it. Uh, he's been very consistent like that, even back to Duke, but in the NBA. And so, listen, he's a long way away from free agency. He's only in his second year in the NBA. But uh, I think with the way that the Knicks have been reju rejuvenated, uh, the success you're seeing them have here in the short term anyway, um, I don't think it was completely by accident. If you, if you, the beginning of that clip, Greeny, he said, hey, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, hmm. he was, it was clear he was waiting for that question. So something to yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was... Thank you. Yeah, I think he wanted the media to set him up to help control that narrative. I don't even want, there's 15 seconds left. I don't care. So Woj essentially here is saying that Zion is sending messages to the Knicks and the league because he's so decisive with his words, right? That he wants to play for the Knicks one day. Woj also conveniently mentioned that Zion is a couple of years away from free agency. No, it's not, it's not a couple. Zion is 20 and he's yet to finish his second season in the NBA. Giannis was only set to hit serious free agency after this year, which would complete his eighth season in the NBA. Players don't turn down their second deal. Look at Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Giannis is another great example. So this morning, in the year of our Lord 2021, on April 19th, Adrian Wojnarowski, who's contributed or considered the premier basketball contributor of our time, so much so that he got the Bucks in trouble for tampering, he's doing a segment highlighting mixed messages regarding a player's free agency preferences for 2027. Now, this isn't that dumb because we do have college football games that are scheduled to be played 20 years from this fall. So it's not completely out of place. I just I just want to point that out as a, as a hater of ESPN in most respects, that they did a segment this morning talking about the potential free agency choices of a player who is checks the calendar oh seven years seven years away from legitimate free agency that's my bad i'm an idiot why am i not talking about it on this program that's my bad more of the wisco sports let's talk brewers coming up after this mm -hmm.